lifts my soul from without within. But my Lord, he leads me on and through him I must win and we're singing. Oh, I want to see him look upon his on his face with there to sing forever of his saving, of his saving set on the streets of glory. Let me lift up my voice and you know that cares of I'll be home at last and ever to rejoice when in service for my Lord, dark may be the night, but I cling more close to him, he will give me light, and Satan's snares may vex my soul, turn my thoughts aside, but my Lord, he goes ahead and leads whatever side and we're singing, oh, I want to see him look upon his, on his face, we're there to sing forever of his saving, of his saving, set on the streets of glory, let me lift up my voice and you know that cares are I'll be home at last and ever to rejoice when before me billows rise from the mighty deep. Then my Lord directs my bark, he does safely keep, and he leads me gently on world below, cause he's a real friend to me, and oh, I love him so, and we're singing, oh, I want to see him look upon his, on his face, we're there to sing forever of his saving of his saving set on the streets of glory. Let me lift up my voice and you know that cares of I'll be home at last and ever to me. And we're singing, oh, I want to see him look upon his on his face, we're there to sing forever of his saving, of his saving, set on the streets of glory. Let me lift up my voice, and you know that cares of I'll be home at last and ever to rejoice. Good morning once again, church. Our scripture reading for this morning worship service will be read from Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. That is Hebrews 
chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. Paul finally reads, God, who at sundry times in diverse manner spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, had in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he had appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his, of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he had in by inheritance obtained more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said, he at any time, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee, and again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he said, and let all the angels of God worship him. I have just read Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. May God have a blessing to the hearers and the readers of his word. to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Our Father and our God, which are in heaven, Heavenly Father, we come with our head bowed to the earth, with thanksgiving in our heart, thanking you for so many blessings you have blessed us with. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for waking us up this morning with a reasonable portion of our health and our strength and closing our right mind. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for giving us this privilege to assemble together and enrich you in spirit and in truth. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for the prayers that you have answered in the past, and we just pray, Heavenly Father, that you will continue answering them in the future. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for providing us with food, clothes, shelter, financial means. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for pulling us out of darkness and bringing us into your marvelous light. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for the ones that are present this morning, and we pray, Heavenly Father, for the one that had the desire to be here, but for some reason wasn't able to be. But most of all, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love, your mercy, your grace, your Son, and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who freely left his home in glory came to earth, lived, died, and were buried, and rose again on the third day, according to the scripture. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for the blood that you shed, that you purchased the church that we are a member of. We pray, Heavenly Father, spread your prayer for each and every member here at Inglewood Church of Christ and their families and friends. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you will continue blessing us with the things you know we stand in need of according to your will. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for the Holy Spirit. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for your word, which is our guideline from earth to glory. 
We pray, Heavenly Father, for the churches that are having difficulty at this time. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you will look down and bless them with the thing you know they stand in need of according to your will. We say a special prayer for the people in Maui, Hawaii, who got lost family members and friends. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you will look down and bless them and comfort those families in a way, Heavenly Father, only you know how. We pray, Heavenly Father, for the sick and the shut-in. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you look down on them and bless them with the thing you know they stand in need of according to your will. And we pray, Heavenly Father, for the ones that's working on the front line. We pray, Heavenly Father, you watch over them and keep them safe. We also pray, Heavenly Father, for the ones traveling or will be traveling. We just pray, Heavenly Father, they'll get to from their destination safe without any hurt, harm, or danger coming to them. We also pray, Heavenly Father, for the bereaved families all over the world. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you will comfort them and strengthen them in a way that only you know how. And Heavenly Father, when we think, say, or do anything contrary to your word, we pray, Heavenly Father, you will forgive us and won't hold it against us at the judgment bar. We pray, Heavenly Father, you will continue strengthening us where we are weak and build us up, Heavenly Father, where we are torn down. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that this witcher service will be done decent and in order. And we also pray, Heavenly Father, it will be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. And we say a special prayer for Brother Cole Pepper as he come deliver us the bread of life. We pray, Heavenly Father, we will listen though what we are listening toward eternity because these will be eternal matters that he will be delivering unto us and not only listeners and hearers of your word heavenly father but also doers of your word and heavenly father the things we learn we just pray heavenly father we'll go and teach and tell others what they must do to be saved and heavenly father when we don't come to the end of our journey said our last prayer and taken our last breath. We just pray, Heavenly Father, we'll hear those wonderful words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Come on in, get your mansion, your robe, and your crown. All these blessings we ask in your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Our next song selection, please note pages number one in your Sacred Selection Psalm books. Once again, it's page one in your Sacred Selection Psalm books. Hard, fight, and save. Father, let us sing. I'm just a hard fighting soldier, and I'm on the battlefield. I, I'm a hard fighting soldier, and I'm on the battlefield. Now I'm just a hard fighting soldier, and I'm on the battlefield. Just keep on bringing souls to Jesus. By the service that I give 
the sword and shield, I've got my helmet on my head, and in my hand my sword and shield. Now I've got my helmet on my head, and in my hand my sword and shield. Just keep on bringing the souls to Jesus by the service that I give, and well I can walk right and talk right and sing right and pray right on the battlefield and I can walk right and talk right and sing right and pray right on the battlefield and I can walk right and talk right and sing right and pray right on the battlefield just keep on bringing the souls to Jesus by the service that I give now I'm just a hard fighting soldier and I'm on the battlefield now I'm a hard fighting soldier and I'm on the battlefield now I'm just a hard fighting soldier and I'm on the battlefield just keep on bringing the souls to Jesus keep on bringing the souls to Jesus keep on bringing the souls to Jesus by the service that I give. Amen. Please turn to page 464 in your faith and praise book. Once again, it's page number 464 in your faith and praise books. Because he lives. Once again, it's pages number 464 in your faith and praise book. Follow the descent. God sent his son, they called him Jesus, he came to love, he let forgive, and he lived and died to
he gives, but greater still, the commercials, this child can face uncertain days, because he God, he is alive. Follow the same. There is beyond the azure blue a God concealed from human sight. He tint the skies with heavenly hue and frame the worlds with his great might. There is a God, he is alive, in him we live and we survive. From dust our God, he created man, she is our God, the great I am. 
long, long time ago. A God whose voice the prophets heard, and he is the God that we should know, who speaks from his inspired word. And there is a God, he is alive, in him we live and we survive. From dust our God, he created man, she is our God, the great I am, secure is life from mortal mind, God holds the germ within his hand, though men may search they cannot find, for God alone does understand, there is a God, he is alive, in him we live and we survive, from dust our God, in created man, she is our God, the great I am, our God, whose son upon a tree, alive was willing there to give, that he from sin might set man free, and evermore with him could live. There is a God, he is alive, in him we live and we survive. From the God, he created man, he is our God, he is our God, the great I am. There is a God. our God, created man. Uh, he is our God. He is the great uh, I am. Uh, what a wonderful song to sing as we engage in God's articulation of his word and certainly expounding on his truth, uh, knowing that he is the great I am. Uh, some of you may not recall, some may, uh, that that phrase that was used concerning the great I am was uh, used to instruct Moses when he asked 
uh, concerning who shall I say sent me. Uh, when he looked at uh, Pharaoh in, in Moses' eyes, he thought Pharaoh was someone great and powerful, and he wanted to know by whom he had authority uh, to tell Pharaoh to let his people go. And God says, I am, I am. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to say. Uh, tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Uh, he is the great I am. What a wonderful song uh, to sing as we engage uh, in the discussion of God's word. If you will, turn over to Hebrews chapter 1. As we once again uh, uh, re-engage our theme, we've been uh, addressing uh, this subject for some time now as we've been uh, speaking on the, the constructs of God uh, concerning the salvation of man through uh, the ark, uh, through the uh, development and creation of the tabernacle and certainly the temple, uh, and then the church, and then we, uh, if you will, uh, are now in the last uh, element of that conversation, uh, which is uh, the covenant. Uh, we began to express how uh, we can separate these uh, constructs and ideas based on that which is based on the natural or spiritual uh, or the carnal side, if you will, the physical, versus that which is spiritual. And so we've been talking about the, uh, the, the subject, but I am spiritual. In other words, we've been emphasizing the fact that the church and the covenant uh, is where our uh, focus and our hearts should be when it comes to uh, serving uh, the Almighty God. We are on the spiritual side uh, of this life. We're no longer, if you will, on the uh, on the on the the physical side of life, but on the spiritual. We understand that because the Bible helps us understand. In John chapter seventeen, uh, uh, God made it very, Jesus made it very clear in his prayer uh, to the, to the Father and. Uh, in his prayer, he included the significance of the disciples that would be following after him. He made it very clear that uh, they, they were no longer, uh, uh, even though they were in the world, they were no longer of the world. And so he was making a very clear distinction uh, that one that comes to God, one that comes uh, to Christ, one that gives themselves over uh, to the doctrine and the teaching of the covenant of God, obeys the gospel, if you will, is now on uh, an adventure and a transition, even a metamorphosis of life, uh, to become spiritual. Uh, Paul made it very clear that all the earthly things that he had acquired and all the earthly things that could be attributed unto him in, as being perfect uh, in the flesh, uh, Paul would say, if you will, he was uh, uh, born of Hebrews of Hebrews. He was a Pharisee according to the law. Uh, he made it very clear that he had uh, an idea, or the world uh, had that then known time, had the idea of his perfection uh, in the flesh, sat at the feet of Gamaliel. In other words, he went to some of the highest schools of learning, if you will, to acquire the knowledge that he had had. Uh, even uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 would help us to understand, uh, 12 rather, and 13 would help us to understand that he spoke more languages than, than others, if you will. But nevertheless, with all of those material things, with all those physical fleshly things, Paul says, I count all that but dung for the excellency of the knowledge of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Paul understood that there was a clear distinction between that which was carnal, that which was fleshly, that which was on the physical side, which is where we would find the ark, if you will. God gave the plan, but Noah built the ark, amen. 
we find that the tabernacle that was ushered around by the children of Israel from place to place, we know that that was, if you will, God's plan for them to construct the tabernacle. God gave the plan for every piece of the tabernacle, not only in terms of the physical construct, but even how it should be gathered together when they moved, how it should be taken apart, and how it should be put back together when they arrived at the next location. And so we know that God gave the plan, but man it constructed the tabernacle. But then there is, if you will, the temple. And we know that David, if you will, and uh, uh, wanted to build God a house, but God said to David that he had blood on his hands, and so therefore he could not uh, build the house of God. But yet Solomon, his son, would be given that, uh, that uh, privilege and honor to be able to build the house of God. Uh, but with that being said, God still gave the plan. He had to build it according to God's plan. Amen. But uh, uh, Solomon, when he built that physical structure, that structure that would be in Jerusalem, it would be, if you will, in a singular stand uh, standalone place. It no longer would be the idea of the tabernacle. It wouldn't go from place to place. It would be in Jerusalem. And so he would build that. God gave the plan. But man built that house. But that is all on the physical side. But when you get to the spiritual side, no one can claim that they built the Lord's church except for the Lord himself. You see, in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus says, upon this rock, I will build my church. That means that it wasn't left to David to build. Amen. amen. It wasn't left to Abraham. It wasn't left to Noah. Amen. It certainly wasn't left to the apostles, and it wasn't left to the prophets. But Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell should not prevail against it. I just want to stop here for a moment and let you know, amen, when it comes to the fact that Jesus built the church and he's letting you know that the gates of hell should not prevail against it, I think that's a place where you ought to want to be. Amen. Jesus already let you know that this church that he built, the spiritual kingdom of God, he in fact refers to us in, in Peter, uh, if you will, that, that we are a spiritual body, a royal priesthood, amen. Spiritual people, lively stones, amen. He lets us know that the spiritual house of God, it is, it, is, it is based on his plan of how we would come together, gather together, congregate together to become God's people. This is all about the spiritual side. Are we truly spiritual? We say, but I am spiritual. The question is, are we really? Do we understand what it means to be spiritual? And as I have, it really have uh, uh, said before, in, in, in various parts of this series of, uh, of sermons, I will reiterate here for emphasis sake, amen, when we come here together in this building, in this place, with all of the, the, the material and the brick and the mortar and the paint and the light and the electricity and all of this stuff, this is still just a building. Amen. amen. This is still just a building. You see, the people don't come to church. The church comes to worship. Amen. We are the body of Christ. Members in particular. We come together. We come together to worship God. These are spiritual truths that only those who are seeking the truth of God's word can completely understand. You see, you can't seek these things with a carnal mind. You have to see them with a spiritual mind. And by seeing them with a spiritual mind, you must see them through the word of God. You can't see them through your own, if you will, idealisms of your subjective idea of what you think things should be and what you think things ought to be. You have to see them through the eyes of God. And when you see them through the eyes of God, the only way that you can see them through the eyes of God, you must see them through the word of God. 
And so we've been speaking about uh, Hebrews, uh, if you will, chapter 4. And also we've been, we're now in Hebrews, uh, we've, we've uh, uh, gone to Hebrews chapter 1 this morning. Uh, but we were also, if you will, in Mark chapter 1. And we were talking about last Lord's Day about the power of the word and about the authority of the word of God and why it's so significant that we see these things through the, uh, uh, through the eyes of the, uh, of the Lord. And that can only be done uh, by seeing it through the word of God. And when we see it through the word of God, in the book of Mark, we read where Jesus was in the temple in the synagogue. And when he was there, there were some very interesting things being discussed in the synagogue. He was being, if you will, shown and spoken uh, and he spoke about all the things, if you will, that was concerning uh, the things that were happening in the temple. And, and, and there was an event that occurred where uh, uh, there had been a man there that had uh, 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 a devil. Amen. And he had been there for quite some time. But, but in that he had had that devil, they, no, one, no one, if you will, uh, uh, had ever cast him out. The devil was identified and described as an unclean spirit. But when Jesus came on the scene. And he began to speak the word of God. He spoke as one who has authority. One who can change some things in individuals' lives. By the word that he has spoken. And you have to understand the interesting thing about this. About this. He, was, he was there. The, the unclean spirit was there among the people. It wasn't like he just arrived. He had been there. A part of that gathering for so long and, and for such a, a, a while. As a matter of fact, when we looked at Mark chapter 1 and we had looked at verse number 22 and he says, And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. In other words, that devil had been there listening to the, to the scribes and to others for a long time, but never had an urge to speak out. Amen. Didn't feel threatened. By what it is that they were saying. Amen. Which gives you an indication, at least implies, that whatever they were saying, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, 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 forceful enough or it wasn't effective enough to cause that unclean spirit to feel, if they, uh, if feel that it needed to move. Are y'all with me? Amen. That unclean spirit was sitting there right with that man in the middle of the synagogue, which means to say in the middle of the church. Amen. Sitting there in the middle of the church and, and, and didn't even move because things that were being said, he didn't feel that unclean spirit didn't feel uh, that it was necessary to move. But when Jesus showed up on the scene, speaking those things which are of God, those spiritual things, those truths, if you will, that are able to, to, to shape and mold the spirit, to reach into the soul. Amen. And to challenge its very conceptions and, and contemplations as we looked in the Hebrew text where we had started that, and understood that where he says that the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of the sunder of the, of the bone and the marrow of the soul and the spirit. And it's the discerner of the very thoughts and the intents of the heart. You see, when God's word is spoken, and it's spoken in, in, in the truth that it needs to be spoken in, and the principles are being laid out the way God expects it to lay out, let me tell you something. The prophet said in a long time ago that God's word will not return unto, it, unto him void, for it will accomplish that for which he has purposed it. Jesus came there. He knew that unclean spirit was there. And when he starts speaking, the unclean spirit had to respond. 
has now come to destroy us before time. Amen. He knew who he was. The Son of God has shown up on the scene, speaking those things which are of God. And that's why in John chapter 12, in verse number 48, Jesus says, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my word has one that judges him. For the words that I have spoken, the same are going to judge you in the last day. For I have not spoken of myself. But what my father gave me to speak, Jesus says, that is what he spoke. In other words, Jesus was bringing the word of God, the father. And when the word of God, the father is being spoken, it's being spoken in a spiritual way. Understand something in John 16 and 13, when when the Holy Spirit would come and he said he would guide the apostles into all truth. In other words, he was letting them know that he would give them that which they must speak in order for the spirit, the soul to be moved by God's word. Now, that spirit of soul will either choose to reject God's word or that spirit of soul will choose to embrace God's word. But either way, God's word must be spoken. If anything is going to move in your life, you got to understand that God's word is what's going to move it. Amen. Amen. You you can't move it on your own. Not when it comes to the saving of your soul. In other words, when it comes to you wanting to do things that are of God, you, you can't read just a fanciful books, if you will, that's going to move the, the, the things in your life. You've, you've got to go to the word of God. You've got to speak that which is spiritual because that which is spiritual is what moves the soul. That which is spiritual is what edifies and strengthens the spirit. It is that which is spiritual. And we know this to be the case because when we look at the Gospels, Mark in specific, when we look at the Gospels and we see, if you will, Jesus in the wilderness that the devil had drawn him into and the devil, if you will, told him, it said to him, if thou be the son of God, uh, 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 command that these stones be made bread. And Jesus came back. He didn't come back with something that was physical or the carnal or the subjective thinking. But Jesus came back with that which was spiritual. You've got to fight that which is wicked with that which is spiritual. You can't come back with no carnal, natural stuff. Quoting poems that have no meaning to the soul. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Jesus said, look, I know how to play this game. I know what can defeat wickedness. What can defeat wickedness is that which is spiritual. And Paul says to the Corinthians, he says, for the weapon of our warfare are not carnal, but they are spiritual. They are mighty through God. That's how we become that which God wants us to be. To go through the metamorphosis of becoming spiritual is a process. It's about being changed. And guess what? Not overnight, but it's about being changed over time. We don't all of a sudden become spiritual. We have to, if you will, uh, work on becoming spiritual. We have to let the wisdom of God's word, which is something that we have spoken about before. We have to let the wisdom of God's word change us and to become spiritual. You can't become spiritual by the wisdom of man. You have to become spiritual by the wisdom of God. Our spirit needs to develop. It's like working out. You can't lose weight just by sitting on your couch. Amen. And looking at other people work out. You, you got to start working out. And that spirit of God's word is what works that spirit out. You've got to spend some time in the Bible. 
These are things that we've talked about because we understood that the carnal mind, if you will, from carnal to spiritual, it meant that you would have to evolve. You have to begin to judge things differently. If you don't take God's word and plant it in your heart, then you'll still judge and discern things based on the carnal mind. You'll judge it based on the flesh. You won't judge it based on that which is spiritual. It takes time for you to come to the Lord and in that state of, uh, uh, of fleshiness and humanity that we are in, we are toiling about seeking, if you will, how to become that which God desires us to become. And God says, turn to my word. Turn to that which is spiritual. Remember the challenge that they had when it was coming to the temple and they were, they were there in the temple and, and, and the temple was a physical place. But God said, it wasn't the physical place that I was trying to get you to have confidence in. The place, what, what I wanted you to have confidence in is in my word. And by having confidence in my word, you become the temple. You change. Your spirit becomes that which is of God not based that of that which is in the world. And in the, in the challenges, remember what we talked about, we talked about through this process, you, you know, sometimes we get tired. The challenges of life draw you down. You get weary trying to do those things which are of God. But God let us know that in that conflict, in that carnal mind, in that struggle of wanting to change, know that at the end of this life, there's something more important than anything else in this life, even being tired. It is that heaven can be your home, right? When the Bible, if you will, shows us that, that the carnal mind will resist change, all of us have experienced that. People are hard, hardened in their ways, and they don't want to change. They don't want to become that which God wants them to become. And so because of their unbelief, because of the challenge of their unbelief, they will never become that which what God desires them to be. But the word of God is still there. It is still quick. It is still powerful. It's still challenging that mind. It is still saying there are promises there. There's obedience necessary. There's a labor that has to be performed. I know that the world wants to teach that, oh, you don't have to do anything because the Holy Spirit is going to take care of everything. That's not doctrine. Amen. You've got to work out your soul salvation. Amen. Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, you've got to work out your own salvation. You've got to do it with fear. And we're trembling. You just can't expect God to do everything. God says when you want to transform your life, you've got to take responsibility for your life. Amen. Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and that you may have it more abundantly. Right? This is the, this is the evolution of becoming spiritual. We were, the, the, the ideas of getting to that point cause us to be distressed. It caused us to be, if you are uncomfortable, it, 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 it challenges us to understand who we should hang out with and who we shouldn't hang out with. And I know that this is challenging, especially for our young people, because we live in a world of, 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 of modernism, if you will. We, we have all the social media accesses. I, re, I remember when the only time you can get in touch with somebody is on a rotary dial phone. And so if they missed your call, they just missed your call. There was no voicemail. Called you, I wasn't home. Amen. But now it's instantaneous contact. You know what? I just realized something. Don't you feel like your privacy has been invaded when people can call you at any time and get in touch with you? You know, I didn't even. I, you know, I just thought about. You know, the fact that the, even on your phone, Amen. Now it says. Now they've gotten to the point now where you can't even say that you were you weren't on the phone because it says whether or not you read it. <laughs> you know. I know you read it because I saw the screen. It's, you know, and, and don't say you didn't get it because it said delivered. Right? I mean, you get to this place where you don't have any privacy anymore. 
Before, if you weren't home, even if you was home, you decided not to answer the phone. That was your business. But now you can't even do that. Amen. Now they even got the camera phones, right? When they call and you, you don't even want to answer the phone, but the camera's there saying, I see you sitting there. Why don't you pick up the line? Right? I mean, there's, there's this, all this, you know, this, this artificial intelligence, and, and, and it, it, we think we have delivered ourselves into some new realm. But I beg the question, have we delivered ourselves or we have we made ourselves more captive? Amen. We need to start thinking about that. Because when you start talking about our, the evolution of our conscience and, and who we think we are and based on what we shall become, we need to understand, are we shackling ourselves or are we setting ourselves free? These are the challenges that we have when it comes to being spiritual. Because a lot of things, even, now, now, now I'm going to go down the line and I know that it's sensitive, but y'all know me. I speak what the word of God speaks. If it's sensitive and it steps on your foot, then hey, learn from it. If it don't, don't worry about it. Share it with somebody else that it applies to. Amen. But let me tell you something. We, we, we got into this mindset where we thought that now we can have uh, uh, online worship. And, and even now we're arguing that we can have online worship and we can come together and worship in different places and different spaces. But yet we can still have online worship. Let me tell you something. Did you free yourself or did you just reshackle the chains? I'm just trying to ask the question here. Amen. Because I remember when God said in 1 Corinthians 14, when the whole church comes together in the same place, in the same space, they gathered together to worship him and to lift up their voices, and they lifted their voices together. Now you got to put each other on mute because you can't hear each other at the same time because somebody else singing this line and the other one's too slow, so they come in at the other line, so you put everybody on mute, and then you just hear the praise team. What did you just do? Did you just shackle yourself or did you free yourself? Testament. Y'all remember uh, Bethel and Dan? Amen. Y'all remember Jerusalem? They wanted to be spiritual, but they wanted to be spiritual on their own terms. Right? And so they said, you know what? It's too far for us to go to Jerusalem. So let's build a temple in Bethel and Dan. And y'all can choose either one you want to go to. You can go to the spiritual online worship. Or you can go to that building that y'all used to go to. Right? Well, you're still not practicing the doctrine. Oh, amen. I said it. We get to the point where we think we're freeing ourselves and we're shackling ourselves. And God let the children of Israel know, I'm not in Bethel. Because that's not what I commanded. That's not what my word commanded. I'm not in Dan. Because that's not what I've commanded. That's not what my word commanded. But I am in Jerusalem. And so what you need to do is make your way to Jerusalem so that you can offer up your spiritual sacrifices. Until our conscience change and we begin to understand what it means to be carnal-minded versus spiritual-minded, don't start saying, I am spiritual. What you need to start saying is, I'm still working on stop being carnal. Because every time something appeases the flesh, it seems like you still fall back into the flesh slag as opposed to staying with the spiritual. Right. And so we have that evolution of conscience. But but people say, but I am spiritual. Well, let me tell you something. There's a difference between being spiritual and being natural. First Corinthians chapter 15, 44. Jesus made the very good distinction. Well, Paul in, in the in the uh, uh, 
discussion with the children of, uh, of Corinth, he let them know there's a difference between natural and different being, being, being spiritual. We might as well get to the point where we understand there's a difference between the flesh and there's a difference between the spirit. I'll get to Hebrews chapter 1. I'm just doing a recap. Because when we get to Hebrews chapter 1, I don't want there to be no confusion about what God is saying. Because we're going to have to follow after who, he who has authority or not follow after him who has authority. But God don't share authority. Amen. So I'm just trying to help us out here. And so when you, Jesus said, look, the, 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 you got to understand, there's a, there's a natural body and there's a spiritual body. Even when it comes to the idea of the end of the time when God is judging the world, he said the body is so natural, but then the body, if you will, that is raised, it's raised a spiritual body. And let me show you the significance of this here as I make this transition. When we go down in the watery grave of baptism, we're trying to embrace, if you will, and, 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 and receive the spiritual blessing of God through the, through the watery grave of baptism. As Ephesians 1 and 7, we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. So we go down to the watery grave of baptism. Romans chapter 6 says, we put that old man to death. That old man is the natural man. That man that is, if you will, uh, that is... uh, one that is so easily influenced by the things of the flesh and the carnal mind. That old man wants to continue to do those things which are of the flesh, of the carnal mind, not the things that are of the spirit. It's that spiritual man that is too weak because Jesus says, yes, we know that the body is weak, but the spirit is willing. And so we need to make sure that the spirit is being strengthened for what purpose? That it can overcome the instincts and the influences of the natural man. Remember Romans chapter 8 and verse number 1? There is now therefore no condemnation to them who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. There's a difference between the flesh and the spirit. There's a difference between the natural man and the spiritual man. The natural man is sown in the watery grave of baptism. For what purpose? For what intent? That you can put that old man to death. And that you may arise in the newness of life. You see? And this is all spiritual. Right? It's all spiritual. Because we know that old wrinkled body still is the same when it come up out that water. But what has changed is the mindset. The paradigm of what you are contemplating and meditating on. You've changed from focusing in on the, on the, on the things of the flesh. And you are now focusing those, on those things which are of God, as Paul said, if you will, to the church. He said, for those things which have... Uh, uh, which have uh, uh, strength, those things which have glory, those things which are, if you will, that, uh, that there's virtue in it, courage in it, for those things which have are, are, are long-suffering, those things, if you will, that are loving and kind. He said, meditate, think on these things, but mortify, put to death, those things which are of the body. Paul said, you have to understand there's a distinction between the natural and the spiritual. It's an evolution of our conscience. And Peter says, look, understand something here. We know that there's this physical state of change and our mind must become spiritual. And everybody, I don't care how old you are when you come to the body of Christ. Someone say, I obeyed the gospel. I was 75 years old. So you still came to the body of Christ, obeyed. It's not your physical age that makes any difference. When we come to the body of Christ, no matter what your physical age is in the world, no matter where you say, if you reach the age of 75, God bless you. Amen. But if you reach that age and you come to the body of Christ and you want to obey the gospel, you still come into the body as a babe in Christ. You know why? Because we all start at the same place. It's that natural man, that old man now wanting to change his life. And no matter what age that natural man, that old man wants to come and change his life, it is always the beginning in Christ as a babe. 
For what purpose? Because in your purity, and God, look how good God is. God gives us all the room we need to change our lives. He says, I'll accept you at your word that you're pure and that you want to change your life. Even though God knows within our heart where we are. He says, but if you're there, you're thinking that you want to change your life. I'm going to give you all the room you need to change your life. We come to, Bible, to the body as newborn babes. Look what he says, though. There's some, there's some things that you have, to, you, you, you have to understand. it. You have to desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. You have to desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. That's interesting. He said the sincere milk of the word. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't talk about all the programs and activities and all the other stuff that's going on. He, he didn't talk about all the lectureships and the conferences that you want to travel around the world and participate in. He says, are you there for the word? Because sincere milk of the word, honesty, integrity, the ethical and moral concepts of sincerity, I am looking to change my life. And God knows whether or not you're sincere. And that's why when somebody comes forward and presents themselves as a candidate to be baptized, we don't vote folk in. Do you know? God knows. And if someone is sincere wanting to change their life, we put them in the water. Because that's their relationship with God. That's God's servant. And they build their lives and we pray and we teach them and we teach them again what it means to be spiritual. That they may grow in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. We want them to obtain salvation. And so Peter says, look, you were once dead in trespasses and sins. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 1 through 2. But God has made us to become living stones. Lord have mercy. A, a, a built up a spiritual house. I said earlier that the church comes to worship. Boy, you see, you throw, that, you throw that language out there to those who don't understand the spiritual word of God, you're you liable to get ran over. Because you have everybody thinking that they're a church. I'm a church. We have a church. We have a church. But we church, we church, church, church. They don't even understand. You, you, what you talking about? We ain't talking about that building. What do you mean you ain't talking about the building? They don't understand that you're not talking about a building. The church comes to worship. What do you mean the church comes to worship? Because, see, in their minds, they're still thinking about the carnal idea of what a building represents. This building doesn't represent the church. I don't even care what you put out there on the marquee. You can put Church of Christ on the marquee out there. That don't mean nothing. Doesn't mean a thing. It's not the marquee that makes us the church. It's not the building that makes us the church. It's our practice, our teaching that makes us the church. You see, because of as a, as a, as a, ye are the body of Christ members in particular, as a member of the church, I don't stop being spiritual because worship is over. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Did I say something? I don't stop being spiritual because worship is over. Because even when worship is over, I'm still part and parcel of the church. You feel what I'm saying? 
So you can't be coming into the worship services of the church and the church is coming together and the church is singing wonderful songs and, and blessings and, uh, uh, and singing reverence unto God and, and showing our faith in, in, in the, the spiritual sacrifices and in the, in the communion and the giving of the blessing that God has given us and, and all of these things, remembering the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ and so is his ascension and, and him being the king of kings and the Lord of lords and, and knowing that he has been sat at the right hand of God. We do all of that in our worship service because we're the church and before we hit the back door, we cursing each other out. <laughs> you, you follow? You, you, we, we, we got to understand that we are spiritual people. And we need to make sure that our spirit is in control of our bodies, of the things that would have conversations that are not uh, uh, consistent with God's word. For to be carnal minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace with God. And so Paul, and so rather, uh, uh, David would say in the psalm, David would say, for as much that is within you, Lord have mercy, David. The Holy Spirit be working with David. David been through a whole lot of stuff. David been on the run from Saul and all. Look, David said, I was in the cave and I saw Saul. I had my knife to the back of his head. I could have took it off if I wanted to. But I didn't because he was God's anointed. But David been through a whole lot of stuff. But look what David says. David says, look, for as much that is within you. Let me tell you something. If nothing is in you, it's going to be hard to bring that out. You remember that song we used to sing? Nothing from nothing leave nothing. You know, you, you, can't, you can't have nothing within you and think to be spiritual. You've got to have God's word within you in order to bring out spiritual things. You can't be empty and try to bring out spiritual for as much that is within you, strive, he says, to live peaceably with all men. Amen. Let me tell you something. If you don't have the word of God in you, you're still going to fight like you did when they were calling the dozens. <laughs> but when you have God's word within you, the first thing you do is not go to your, you know, we used to, oh, okay, I'm about to speak. You, you, when you have God's word within you, you don't react the way you used to do before the Because you put something in you, God's word, right? And, and, and though you may still think about it, say, boy, I used to, back in the day, if I wasn't a son of a bitch. Y'all know y'all still, we still working on ourselves. Amen. We still working on ourselves. You know, you back at the job and you have that boss to get on your nerve and you say to yourself, ooh, you lucky. Because back in the day, you know, I would have said some words and y'all have been ushering me up out of here. Right? But now when you are a member of the body of Christ and you have the word of God within you, the word of God, when you start thinking that way, the word of God says, oh, you ain't that person no more. You say, okay, I, yeah, all right, that's right. I can't say what I used to say. I can't do the things that I used to do. Now, I remember what I used to do, but I can't do that no more. Because I'm a new creature. In Christ Jesus. Are y'all with me? Amen. I'm a new creature in the old man. That old man would have jumped on you. They would have had to pull me off you. But the new man, the new man says, you know what? God bless you. Right? And even then, the, the, those who are uh, of the wicked, when you say God bless you, they think, oh, you're a coward. No, I'm saying God bless you because, see, I know he can take care of you better than I could anyhow. Amen. Right? Because vengeance belongs to the Lord. So when folk do you wrong, just say, God bless you. 
And when you say, God bless you, the Lord said, yeah, I hear you. I'll take care of it. <laughs> but, but, but spiritual is about understanding your evolution of consciousness. It's about understanding that, that, that to be carnally minded is death. But, but my spiritual mind is where I want to be because my spiritual mind leads me to peace. It leads me to life. It leads me to where God is. But that carnal man can lead me to death. So God says, and if Christ is in you, the body, the body is, is of sin, but it's dead because, because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. God says, I want, you to become, I want you to become spiritual. I want you to become righteous. I want you to have that level of integrity that, that Jesus has, right? Because in Philippians chapter 2, he said, let this mind be in you. That was also in Christ Jesus. So he wants you to have the mind of Christ. He wants you to understand that even, look at, look at Jesus, even when Jesus was being wrongfully persecuted, yet he opened not his mind. Do you see that there? Now, 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 let me tell you something. Jesus had every right. He, he had done nothing wrong to anybody. If anybody had a right to retaliate, it was Jesus. But yet he opened not his mouth. No sin, no guile was found in his mouth. And so Paul says to the Philippian church and the church of Philippi, he said, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. You see, let, by, by, by evolving and becoming uh, spiritual, coming from carnal to becoming spiritual, you are evolving. And you know how you can, you can give yourself a litmus test to see how well you're doing when you don't react to things the way you used to. It helps you know where you, if you're growing or not, right? It is written that the first Adam was a living soul, but the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. When Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and that you have it more abundantly, he lets you understand that only he, now understand something. I'm going to go back to this slide so you can understand it. When he says the first Adam was a living soul, yes, God breathed into man and man became a living soul, right? But understand something, that soul is still facing judgment. Are you with me? That soul is still going to face judgment. As 2 Corinthians 5 and 10 says, for we all must stand before the judgment bar of God and give an account of the things that we've done in this body, whether it be good or whether it be evil. That soul still faces judgment. And if that spirit hasn't grown and evolved to overcome the weaknesses of the body that is guiding and that the soul is succumbing to, then you're going to have some problems at the gate. The first Adam was a living soul, but the last Adam was a life-giving spirit. And the life-giving spirit here, you need to understand, it's not about this life. It's not about coming into this life, this physical life, this natural life, this carnal life. The last Adam being a life-giving spirit is about saving the soul. Eternal life what he speaks about as we make our way to our subject this morning and now I can start preaching Hebrews chapter 1 in Hebrews chapter 1 we find God sharing with us something so powerful and, 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 if, you, and if, you, if, you, if you run past Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 you, you'll, you'll miss the significance that he connects Hebrews to Genesis because in Hebrews chapter 1, he begins with this, with this word that, you know, that 
the three-letter word that everybody bounces about, and you know, and, and we always uh, hear people talk about God this and God that, even if it's in, in a derogatory way, we hear God this and God that. I don't understand how you put God and derogatory information in the same sentence, but I'll leave that for others to figure out. Y'all missed it, didn't you? Anyway. But we have chapter one that says God. And he begins there. He just says God. And, 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 and he, he, he begins the whole sentence with God. Now, now some of us would just say, okay, just, he's just thinking about God and now he's moving on. But that's not what he did. In Hebrews chapter one, when he begins with God, he starts with the beginning. Because, see, the word here for God is not in the idea of theos, which is the Greek word for God. But it's Elohim. When he talks about God in sundry times and diverse manners, he talks about God as the Elohim. He addresses God in the sense of the Hebrew. In the Hebrew, if you go back in the book of Genesis, when he starts talking about God in the sense of the, uh, of the Hebrew language, it is, it is in the plural. It talks about Elohim. It talks about the plurality. And the word of God, the God, if you will, in and of itself, it, it speaks to he who has authority. He who has tell you something. There is no power but that of God. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I, let, me, let me just help you a little bit along here. I'm not going to be too much longer. Uh, but but, but when, we, when, we, when we're talking about changing our souls from carnal to spiritual, understand something. In order to change from carnal to spiritual, it takes the power of God. Amen. Are y'all with me now? It takes the, if, if I'm going to evolve from a carnal mind to a spiritual mind, it takes the power of God. You follow what I'm saying? So I can, I can read all the wonderful books of poetry, right? Many sinners all color, you know, even my angel, as much as I love her, her poetry. None of those things are going to change my carnal mind to spiritual. You know why? Because they are not God. Amen. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I can't help but along this way. When we look at these things and we even, 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 even to the point that some of us, you know, those of us who, you know, have committed ourselves to other types of learning and, 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 we, and, and we think that these other types of learning has somehow given us some, 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 some ability that, that supersedes what God has already given. But nevertheless, we, 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 we do these learnings and we study things and we study other writers and we study other, uh, uh, other uh, 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 philosophers and, and theologians. And, and, and if you're not careful, you'll find yourself being drawn into humanism and, and we'll start trusting in Socrates and Plato and Aristotle and, and all of these others, even as the, the, uh, the Ephesians and the, uh, uh, the Romans did when, in, when they were trusting in the Epicureans and the Stoics and, 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 and they call, started calling Paul a babbler, even though Paul was teaching the word of God. They were saying what Paul was saying was useless and worthless, but what they were saying seemed to have all power. But what Paul was really is. And that's why Paul can say in Romans chapter 1 and 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power Amen. of God unto salvation to all those who believe. To the Jew first and also to the Greek, therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. So look at this. He is positioned to the Jewish theologians and philosophers. He is positioned to the Greek theologians and philosophers. None of them So we see here when he begins with Elohim, 
It's not frivolous. The word, the, the Holy Spirit does not put something in the Bible that is worthless for us to be, learn from. Amen. When Romans 15 and 4 is written, things that are written before time are written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of Scripture might have hope. Every word of God, Paul told Timothy, every word of God is profitable Amen. for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect and fully furnished unto all good works. All scripture. So when he says God, he's not saying something frivolously. He's saying, listen to what I'm saying to you. God in sundry times and divers matters. Lord have mercy. Spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken unto us by his son. Did you just hear what I read? He's spoken unto us by his son. In other words, he's showing where the authority is. The authority is in his son. It is not in, it's not in some man's subjective idealism of what religion is. His authority is in his son. And guess what? His son says, I am at the right hand of the father. So when I read the word of God, I'm reading the word of God in the hope that as I learn the word of God, I will begin to change, to, to go through a metamorphosis that will allow my carnal mind to become spiritual in the sense that now I am developing the mind of Christ so that I can then live a life and present this body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is just rational. My reasonable service. So that when I stand before the judgment bar of God, I'm not standing there before the judgment bar of God in that figurative sense of standing before the judgment bar of God. I'm not standing there trying to rationalize what it is that I've done in this body. I'm standing there placing myself before God because God already knows. Right? He already knows. And he knows whether or not I've been striving to do those things which make me worthy of entering into heaven's glory. I'm not going to be in a debate with the Lord. <laughs> God already knows. It is in a figurative sense that that is being placed in the Bible. What he's getting you to understand is, is that God is the judge. And let me tell you something. Thank God that he is. Because if we were to judge each other, I don't think any of us would make it. As a matter of fact, I'd be the last one standing and still judge myself harshly and go to hell. Man had problems. 
the blessing of it. When we're focused on God's word and God's word is changing our lives. When we stand before that judgment bar of God, God already knows where my shortcomings and my downfalls are. Amen. But you know who's going to tell me that was true? He knows where my heart is. You see, he knows where my heart is. And wherever my struggles are, and whatever I've been dealing with, and whatever I've been going through, and whatever I've been trying to overcome, and, and I may have uh, uh, gotten ahead of it at some time, but then I may have fallen back a little bit, but then I fought it again, I got ahead of it. God knows the struggle that we are in. So God says, Anthony, I see where you fell short. But see where you fell short? My grace. Woo! Thank you, Lord. My grace is sufficient. Because where I saw you struggling, I knew that you were wrestling with it. And you may have lost to it sometimes. And you won sometimes. But I'm in charge of this fight. My grace is sufficient. And Paul reminds us of that. Because Paul lets us know, even, even during this time of the miraculous, when the miraculous spirit was in movement, and Paul was endowed with the miraculous spirit of God. Matter of fact, when you look at Paul versus the other apostles even around him, Paul was given, Paul was given some gifts that he never seen demonstrated by the other apostles. Paul was able to raise a young man from the dead. Amen. We never seen any of the other apostles do that. But Paul showed it was possible. Paul was bitten by a deadly serpent. And all he did was shake it off and let it fly. It kept moving. We never saw any other apostles demonstrate that. But when you see his God through Paul is showing the miraculous indwelling of the Holy Spirit, what's the point that I'm making? Even in that, what we find is Paul says when he's talking to Jesus. Now he's already in the miraculous moment. He's already talking to Jesus and he's going to Christ's Christ. He's talking to him about the weaknesses of his flesh. Notice that he doesn't distinguish his major specific as to what those weaknesses are. You know why? between him and the Lord. But what it does show us is that even in the miraculous age, even when the age of the miraculous was in play, it wasn't the spirit that was keeping Paul from dealing with whatever he was dealing with. But he went to the Lord. He went to the Lord Christ and Jesus comes back and he says, my grace. What do you mean grace? You mean when I'm struggling with stuff and I'm fighting with stuff and I'm, and I'm trying to overcome this stuff and Paul says, Paul says, yeah, you're going to fight with stuff because you got to fight the fight. But it's not the fight, it's the finishing. Finish the cause, keep the faith. Jesus says, when you fall short, my grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect. In weakness, see, I, boy, I'm telling you, see, the Bible can give you some days where, where when you don't think you can make it, you just start thinking about the word of God. You say, I can make it. I can make it, because if Paul made it, I can make it, amen. Amen. If he calls himself the chief of sinners, that means he's at the top. So that means I'm below him. So if he made it. <laughs> so he says, God, who at sundry times and diverse manners, he, he's, he's spoken to us in these last days by Christ because it is Christ who has the authority. It is Christ who has the power. Verse number two, hath in these last days spoken unto us. We're in Hebrews chapter one, verse number two hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed, and I want you to see here, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. 
He made the worlds. Boy, I wish I had time to deal with all of our scientists in here. Because we still are looking for the concept of the Big Bang Theory and how all the planets came into existence and how all the galaxies came into existence and, and we're still trying to figure out, if you will, God's DNA. You are wasting your time. Because God says, I already told you I've made the worlds. You, if, you, if you just believe that, then you can just move on to something else. Because I've made the world. And I don't care what galaxy you claim that you've now found. And you see planets in that galaxy. Guess what? God made that too. Amen. I mean, come on. But, but, but we're in this idea where we, we are more subjective as a, uh, and physical and, and mental and carnal rather than spiritual. So God says, I made the world. Verse number three, who, in being, who being in the brightness of his glory. And the express image of his person and upholding all things by, and I'm going to stop here, by the word of his power. By the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. I, I, I'm out of time, but let me tell you something. This is where we stop. This is where we're going to begin next Lord's Day. God bless us to live. Because let me tell you something. When God says that it is by the word of his power, I want to read it again. He's very specific, very clear. When he had made, if, when he rather, when he had by himself purged our sins. How were those sins purged? All things by the word of his power. You can't change your life without God. Because God, as Matthew 28 and 18 says, he has all power. And he has all power in heaven and in earth. And when you say, but I am spiritual, and you understand that being spiritual is, 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 is that you are in Christ and you have that relationship with Christ. You, do you realize that when you have that type of relationship and you have that relationship with Christ Jesus, you have now tapped in with all. That's what the devil doesn't want you to know about That's why wickedness doesn't want you to become Christian, to
We used to sing that song. Many of us probably sung it and didn't even understand it. But the more we draw near to God, the more I draw away from the things of the world. Are you with me? And when I'm drawing away from the world, that means I'm leaving the carnal behind. I'm leaving the flesh behind. I'm leaving the influences of the world behind. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm embracing that which is spiritual. Romans 10 and 17 says, so then faith. Cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, But without faith is impossible to please God, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a reward of those who diligently seek him. Matthew 6 and 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. God wants us to leave something. But he says, Your time is empty if you seek him first. Only God can deal with your needs. We repent of our To Jesus for the cleansing power. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace? Is are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood in the soul? Cleansing blood of the Lamb. All the Lamb. All your garments spotless. So are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? And do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood in the soul? Cleansing blood of the Lamb, all your garments spotless, are they white as 
as snow, are you washing the blood of a lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the lamb? Are your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of a For our next song selection, please note page number four in your sex selection song books. Once again, that is page four in your sex selection song books. At this time, we start communion. I know it was the blood, my Lord. I know it was the blood, my Jesus. I know it was the blood for me. And one day when I was lost, oh, we died upon the cross, and I know.